Day 110. That's right. That's exactly what it is. <clears throat> Day 110. I just counted. Hey, uh, this is uh, today. Welcome, everybody. Chip and Eric read through the Bible. Thanks. We are going to read First Kings 16, 29 through First Kings 19. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I hope I don't sneeze. Hey, you sound As a little congested. It. I'm a little congested today. Some allergy, a little yeah. both, a little bit of both. Okay. Going on. I've been running outside lately, so I mm. think that lends yeah. to it. But anyway, we're going to go after it. Well, it's going to be great. I can't wait. Okay, so 1 Kings 16, mm-hmm. verse 29. Now Elijah, who is from Tishbe in Gilead. Eh. No, am I wrong? Yep. Where am I? I don't know. I'm off right here. A oh, of Lombry. it's even circled. Oh, see? Look at I'm that. just trying to skip scripture. I'm trying to I'm trying to do the wrong thing. Jeff. Well, that's all right. <laughs> Thank you for holding me accountable. <laughs> sure. King, uh, okay, Ahab, son of Omri, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Asa's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 22 years. But Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, even more than any of the kings before him. Mm-hmm. And as though it were not enough to follow the sinful example of Jeroboam, he married Jezebel, the daughter of King Ethbaal of the Sidonians. And he began to bow down in worship of Baal. First Ahab built a temple and an altar for Baal in Samaria. Then he set up an Asherah pole. He did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. Okay. It was during his reign that... Hiel, a man from Bethel, rebuilt Jericho. When he laid his foundations, it cost him the life of his oldest son, Abiram. And when he completed it and set up its gates, it cost him the life of his youngest son, Segub. This all happened according to the message from the Lord concerning Jericho, spoken by Joshua, son of Nun. Now Elijah, this might sound familiar. Now Elijah, who was from Dishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go to the east and hide by Kirith Brook, near where it enters the Jordan River. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told him and camped beside Kirith Brook, east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Would you please bring me a little cup, a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, Bring me a bite of bread, too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house, and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal, and then my son and I will die. But Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and sends rain and the crops grow again. 
So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Some time later, the woman's son became sick. He grew worse and worse and finally died. Then she said to Elijah, O oh man of God, what have you done to me? Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? But Elijah replied, Give me your son. And he took the child's body from her arms, carried him upstairs to the room where he was staying, and laid the body on his bed. Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O oh Lord, my God, why have you brought this tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O oh Lord, my God, please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. Then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look! He said, your son is alive. Then the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you are a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. Later on in the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab. Tell him that I'll soon send rain. So Elijah went to appear before Ahab. Meanwhile, the famine had become very severe in Samaria. So Ahab summoned Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. Obadiah was a devoted follower of the Lord. Once when Jezebel had tried to kill all the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had hidden 100 of them in two caves. He put 50 prophets in each cave and supplied them with food and water. Ahab said to Obadiah, We must check every spring and valley in the land to see if we can find enough grass to save at least some of my horses and mules. So they divided the land between them. Ahab went one way by himself and Obadiah went another way by himself. As Obadiah was walking along, he suddenly saw Elijah coming toward him. Obadiah recognized him at once and bowed low to the ground before him. <coughs> is it really you, my lord Elijah, he asked? Yes, it is, Elijah replied. Now go and tell your master, Elijah is here. Oh, sir, Obadiah protested. What harm have I done to you that you're sending me to my death at the hand, hands of Ahab? For I swear by the Lord, your God, that the king has searched every nation and kingdom on earth from end to end to find you. And each time he was told Elijah isn't here, King Ahab forced the king of that nation to swear to tell the truth of his claim, the, tu the truth of his claim. And now you say, go and tell your master, Elijah is here. But as soon as I leave, the Spirit of the Lord will carry you away to who knows where. And when Ahab comes and cannot find you, he's going to kill me. Yet I have been a true servant of the Lord all my life. Has no one told you, my Lord, about the time when Jezebel was trying to kill the Lord's prophets? I hid 100 of them in two caves and supplied them with food and water. And now you say, go and tell your master, Elijah is here? <laughs> Sir, if I do that, Ahab will certainly kill me. But Elijah said, I swear by the Lord Almighty, in whose presence I stand, that I will present myself to Ahab this very day. So Obadiah went to tell Ahab that Elijah had come, and Ahab went out to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, So, is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? I have made no trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. You and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of Baal instead. Now summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel, along with 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who were supported by Jezebel. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. But the people were completely silent. 
Then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bowls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it to pieces and lay it on the wood of their altar, but without setting it on fire. I will prepare the other bowl and lay it on the wood on the altar, but not set it on fire. Then call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. The God who answers by setting fire to the wood is the true God. And all the people agreed. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, You go first, for there are many of you. Choose one of the bowls and prepare it and call on the name of your God, but do not set, wood, set fire to the wood. So they prepared one of the bowls and placed it on the altar. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, Oh, Baal, answer us! But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced, hobbling around the altar that they had made. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed, for surely he is a god. Perhaps he's daydreaming or is relieving himself. Or maybe he's away on a trip or is asleep and needs to be wakened. So they shouted louder, and following their normal custom, they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but still there was no sound, no reply, no response. Then Elijah called to the people, come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bowl to pieces, and laid the, laid the pieces on the wood. And he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. After they had done this, he said, now do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. At the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Then Elijah commanded, Seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let a single one escape. So the people seized them all, and Elijah took them down to the Kishon Valley and killed them there. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go get something to eat and drink, for I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab went to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, Go and look out toward the sea. The servant went and looked and then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look. Finally, the seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, Hurry to Ahab and tell him, Climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And soon the sky was black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific rainstorm. And Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Hmm. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything. That Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you, just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. 
He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went alone in the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some bread, <laughs> baked on hot stones and a jar of water. Mm. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel Lord came again, touched him, and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind was there, an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came, Travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Haziel will be killed by Jehu. And those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulder and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah, and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I'll go with you. Elijah replied, Go on back, but think about what I have done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build the fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. All right. That is our reading today. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. So we read that with two questions in mind. What is this telling us about God? What is this telling us about us? And then bonus question, Chip. How should we live in light of those things? Okay. So, sir... Okay. The question is, what's this telling us about God? Good question. Thanks. Tells us a lot of good stuff, but it tells me this. It says that um, the true God with one prophet is greater than 450 prophets with a bunch of false gods. Yeah. So it's quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. And we see that played out here. I mean, the odds were definitely... You know, on a human worldly scale, we're against him. Yeah. And, uh, and so, but it's just, God wins. God always wins. And that was, we've talked about that before. That's been another God moment. But we see it here. 
even when the odds are against us and they are and they are against us living in this world you know they're going to hate us and attack us and go after us and and we're talking about um the viral church and acts and how it compares to our church today and they had persecution back then mm-hmm. and we have it today we're going to have it even more in the american church mm-hmm. and we're seeing it played out and we need to expect it but we got to remember that our god is greater yes. than all the false gods and false ideologies and the progressive teachings that are out there today and we can rest in that fact yeah and i think even godly people have to make that choice right like like obadiah for instance in this story he had the decision to follow his fear of man yeah and not go to ahab and say elijah's here because he was afraid that he'd be killed for it sure he could follow god because he knew elijah was a prophet and the prophet's job is to speak the words of god Mm -hmm. and so if god told him to go say that then you know it's it's just it's very interesting, you know, that Obadiah would choose the right way, you know, and that we see the way that plays out, that all those heretics, all those horrible uh, prophets of Baal are burned up. So it's pretty yeah. awesome. Uh, what's this tell us about us? With that, I think it goes right hand in hand with that, is uh, we don't need to vindicate ourselves. You know, Elijah doesn't roll in and try to vindicate himself. He is there on behalf of the Lord, and the Lord does a vindication. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just think that that's such a beautiful thing. I think there's a lot of people in Christianity, and especially American Christianity, where we think that we need to vindicate ourselves, that we need to um, get revenge or or silence the haters or whatever. But the reality is, God's going to do all that. And I I love I, I love apologetics. I have a warm spot in my heart for apologetics, a defense of faith. Um, but that's more like a defense of what we believe. God does not need us to defend him, you know? And maybe that's something that's telling us about God. Maybe I'm crossing my line here, but uh, it's not our job to defend God. God will defend God. And in doing so, God will defend those who are faithful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's yeah. what it tells, it tells us about us. Yeah. So what do we do? Yeah, what do we do with that? Well, I think we got to make sure that we follow the true God and the true teaching, true teachings of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, we, I, I agree with you. You know, we don't get vindication. I, I would say, at least from my perspective, um, it, that's the right answer, but it's not easy. No, not at all. It's really not easy it, because I think today it's so easy to do. Mm-hmm. We have the social media. We have the outlets there uh, through texting or whatever that we can just do it so quickly without yeah. even thinking. Yep. And that's dangerous. Yeah, and we've really learned how to hurt each other, too. Yeah. You know, we know how to hurt each other. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and it's repairable, but it's 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 to the point where it's almost not because it's just so damaging. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, you know, so stick to the true God, the true teachings. Um, te- teach in love. Let God do the vindication. Yeah. But, yeah, you and I like how you qualified it. Like, we got to defend, you know, our, our faith. We don't have to defend our God. Right. But our faith and our teaching in Scripture, and uh, and I think you know um, we we see that throughout throughout Scripture mm-hmm. where that's important. Yeah, yeah, I think that's big. So, uh, clarifying, is this the right God? Are you following the right God? Um, I think that's a huge piece that you said, mm-hmm. and then I think yeah, just living a life that um, you can face that God and. He'll be honored by the way that you live, and he'll take care of the rest. I mean, that's what the Bible tells us, that vengeance belongs to the Lord. It's a really good question because a lot of people, 
a lot of people, but it's true. There's a lot of people out there that think that regardless of what, what uh, religion or sect or cult you're a part of, it all goes back to the same God, mm-hmm. which true. is which is part of the deception. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we got to be very careful with that. <clears throat> um, but that that that's the teaching that's out there. People say that. Oh, that's totally true. I mean, totally true that people say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. totally true about that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you hear it all the so time right. that, that Allah and, and Yahweh, Jehovah, are the same God. That's not true. That's yeah. not remotely true, yeah. you know, I mean, for a number of reasons. And then you have, um, you know, you might call them like pseudo-Christian cults like the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Latter-day Saints that they'll say that they worship the same Jesus. That's not true. Mm-hmm. That's not true at all. Um, and I think more and more we're starting to see counterfeit versions of God being mm. spread around. And, you know, just because two people have the same name mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they're the same person, you know. Yeah, uh, we were blessed to have lunch yesterday with Eric Buller, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Caleb Buller. Oh, yeah. Eric and I are not the same yeah. person. We have the same name. Yeah, same first name, yeah. Yeah, but we're different. You know, well, we have another Eric Buller. He's different from Eric Buller, right? <laughs> like, right. you know, and so when you look and say, well, they're all God. Yeah. Well, that's just not true. Mm. Or they're all Jesus. No, that's not true. Yeah. The Jesus of Islam, the Jesus of Orthodox Christianity, the Jesus of Mormonism, the Jesus of uh, the uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they're all different. Yeah. But there's only one that's true. So yeah. I yeah. agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but there is like a, uh, many people that are just deceived by that, mm-hmm. and they think they're going to be okay because of that. Yeah, and it's it's a de- they're deceived, yeah. like these people were, these prophets of of Baal. Yeah, it's like uh, we went to that men's retreat. We went around the room. Everybody obviously knows you and I in the room. So I was the yeah. second person, and we went around and introduced ourselves. Yeah, and I said I'm Chip Bungard. Yeah, and. Nobody, not a single person there believed me. No. Why? Because they know yeah. Chip sure. Bungard. Yeah. You know? And so I think that... Right, that's true. You know, to know the true God is how you spot the false gods. Yeah. These guys should have <laughs> known, you know? Yeah, true. Yeah. Nobody knew. Nobody thought I was Chip Bungard. But yeah. at that other conference that we went to last year, if I had said I'm Chip Bungard, sure. many people would have believed me. Yeah, they would have called they would, Chip. Yeah. Because they didn't know you <laughs> yeah. yet. So anyway. Good point. Anyway. All right. Well, hey, these are trying times for sure. So stick to the truth. Stick to the true God and his word. Yep. And let him have the vindication. He'll do that. Very good. Okay. We love All you guys. Right. We're super proud of you. Yep. And we will see you another time, probably, I don't know when. I don't know. Maybe tomorrow or so. Yeah, and we did have lunch with Eric and Kayla Buller because Kayla won the 30-day challenge. And Maddie. And Maddie, yeah, their daughter Madeline. Yeah, Maddie. It was fun. It was good. It was a good time. Yeah. She, and they didn't take us for all we were worth either. Yeah, she chose Brahms. Yeah. That's, that's fine. I know. It's okay. It was good. I would have chose some restaurant in L.A., <laughs> yeah, I and know. then Allison could, Allison could have paid the trip. And, <sighs> yeah. Okay, Eric. Well, we got to go. Yeah, we sure do. Okay. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.